This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. You sure? Okay. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. billahi min shaytanir rajim. قالت فذلكن الذي لمتنني فيه ولقد راودته عن نفسه فاستعصم ولئن لم يفعل ما آمره ليسجنن وليكون من الصاغرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين Today, I try to cover some lessons from ayah number 32 of Surah Yusuf. And just to catch everybody up, I, um, those of you that have been following along from the beginning, we're at the point now where the women have made this uh, scene around Yusuf salam. He's highly uncomfortable. And they're calling him a gracious angel. And, and I talked about what, you know, what that implies last time. And it is at this point that the wife of the minister, whose name has not been mentioned in the Qur'an, uh, gets emboldened. Uh, what I tried to show you is that she was trying to get something on them, and now she does. She's proven her point to them, because basically it's almost as if she's trying to say, well, you blame me for having seduced him or tried to seduce him, and I live with him, and you couldn't handle 10 minutes with the guy. And look at, look at how crazy all you women are going, right? So she's now made her point that she's actually, if you think I'm the one to blame, you're the one, I, I'm in a, in a twisted way, I'm in a morally higher position than you all are now, right? So she's got this sense of superiority now, which means now she can speak her mind freely. And this ayah is actually about that, speaking her mind freely. As if now that, you know, I have something, you had dirt on me, now I have dirt on you, which means we have a gentleman's agreement, or in this case a lady's agreement, and therefore we can speak freely now. We don't have to hide behind pretense. We don't have to say things that we think may be used against us outside. Now everybody can speak without a filter, right? So she's now going to speak unfiltered what she thinks and what's, you know, uh, uh, what she feels and what she wants. So she says, This is where we begin. So she said, that is, and kunna here, dali kunna, for those of you that are Arabic students and want to know, typically the Arabic word for that is dalika, dalika. But the kaf in dalika, the ka part, is actually a pronoun, meaning if I'm pointing at this wall and I want one man's attention, the Arabic pronoun, the attached pronoun for one male is ka. So if I say that and I say dalika, that ka refers to me trying to get one man's attention to look at that. So generally speaking, that's ka. If I was talking to one woman and I pointed at this wall, I can say thaliki. Because the ki would refer to a female whose attention I'm getting while I point at this wall. Okay? If uh, you have, you know, Allah Azza wa Jal saying, for example, tilka, tilka is that for the feminine. So if you point at a tree, tilka shajara. But if he's, if he's talking to Adam and Eve, our, our parents, Adam and Hawa, salamun alayhima, and he's telling you about that tree. Yeah, he says, tilkuma ashajara, tilkuma. So the til part is pointing at the tree. The kuma part is saying, both of you pay attention, that's the tree I'm talking about. Okay, so it's a two part word. Now, dali kunna is the word that's used here. The dali part, really, the dha really is the pointer. The lam is lil bu'd, for distance. And then the kaf, or the kunna part, is, literally means you women. So it's that, comma, ladies, 
exclamation mark. That, ladies, is what I'm, you know, for example, if somebody's on stage and I say, that, ladies and gentlemen, was the president of the university or something like that, right? The sentence is, that was the president. But you stop that and you address the audience to whom you were saying that to. You throw them in and then you go on. That's kind of embedded in Arabic language. So you have here, dalikunna, as a standard thing, that, ladies, so that's, that's already included there. You, you women, Now the word that could refer to two things. I'll start with one concept, and that is that that is referring to Yusuf, Okay, So that man, ladies, is the one that you were blaming me about. The ones that you blamed me about, the ones that you were making comments about me and putting me to shame. Lama can mean all of those things. Blame, to put to shame, to embarrass, etc. Right? So the, the ones you were casting blame on me about was him, by the way. So they are now put on the spot. Now the benefit of saying it like that is, oh, so you were blaming me, but look at you. That's the same one, by the way. So, ذَلِكَ الَّذِي لُبْتُنَّنِي فِيهِ Now, if, when I translated it that way, I translated it as a sentence. So that the ذَلِكُنَّا ذالك, part is the, what's called a mubtada, the subject of the sentence. And الَّذِي لُبْتُنَّنِي فِيهِ would be the predicate of the sentence. And that would mean, in English translation, that is, the, that is the one you blamed me about. So there's an is there. You can look at this as Mosul Sifa too. That one that you blamed me about, and there's a dot, dot, dot if you look at it that way. That one that you blame me about is the same one you're going crazy over. But she didn't have to say that part. It's almost as if that's a rhetorically understood thing. Or he in fact is the one that you blamed me about. So there's two ways grammatically to look at that. It's a subtle difference between those two. But the other meaning, what dhalika could refer to, and this brings me to something I didn't talk about yesterday, is their comment. They said that he's pierced through the veils of our heart with love. Remember that? Like that, that she's in, basically she's in love with him, right? And in a previous session I talked to you, when we, we addressed this when we talked about Yusuf السلام, and his brothers, that uh, they think, they, they have a very twisted definition of love. They're a very twisted, you know, corrupted definition of love. And that's a, that's a different, you know, corruption contamination of the actual definition of love. And these women in this environment, they have their own twisted definition of love. Now generally speaking, people use the word love very casually, very openly, right? So we can say something like, man, I love those new sneakers, or I love this movie, or I love that match, or I love this or love that. So we can use the word hope in very generic terms too. And I do believe that they're throwing it out in that way, okay? But it also gives us an insight into how these sacred notions like you know, وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Allah says between spouses, Allah put love, intense love. Right? And now they've got a different, you know, infatuation or being attracted to someone or wanting to possess someone is their concept of love. Right? Or it's just purely physical in nature that that's love. And their definition of love has no consideration of, for the well-being or the dignity or, you know, the, 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 the spiritual integrity of the one that they love. Because what you love is just a thing to use for yourself. So love in these, so far the theme that ties wherever love has come up is it's seen by certain people as something that makes them feel better and it actually even is harmful to the one that they love. 
So Yusuf's brothers, are, you know, are they love apparently their dad, and they want his love, but that love is making them do twisted things, and it has nothing to do with something better for their dad. It's really about them feeling better about themselves. The same way with her, even if you do consider this some twisted form of love, genuine love makes you want to be good to the one that you are loving. If I love my child, I want the best for them. If I love my parents, I want the best for them. If I love my spouse, I want to honor my spouse. I want to protect my spouse. I want to take care of my spouse. I want to be loving to my spouse. All of those things, because part of my love isn't just what makes me feel good. Actually, if you genuinely love someone, you feel good when they feel good. You feel good when they're happy. That's what, that's what makes you happy. But that's not the kind of love they're talking about, right? So... They have their own... And why am I going into this tangent discussion about love? Because the dhalika could, in a sense, refer to that twisted love that they refer to. That love that you blame me about? Well, what is this that I see among you? Y'all fall in love with him too, didn't you? You're loving him just as much, actually more than I did. So she's using that same twisted definition back at them. So it could be that the word that refers to Yusuf. He's the one that you blame me about. Or that behavior is the thing that you blame me about? How about your behavior? That love that made me do crazy things? How about your love and it's making you do crazy things? So, فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي لُمْتُنَّنِ فِيهِ Okay, now up, up until this part of the ayah, what's become clear? It's become clear that she now has something to criticize them with. She's got them on the spot. She's now in this, you know, got, gotcha moment. She's got the gotcha moment. Now that she's got that gotcha moment, now she can speak without filter because what are you going to do about it? You're going to go and tell everybody because I'm going to confirm the rumor for you right now. You may have heard I fell in love with him or I tried to seduce him and you talked about all that stuff. So, you know, let's just, uh, the cat's out of the bag. Let's just call a spade a spade. Now I can speak freely. This is not going to be a press release outside. If somebody asked her outside, she'd say it's a lie. She'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. These are rumors. This is filthy. But inside this room, since she's got them where she wants them, she can actually speak her mind and they can't do anything about it. So what you learn now is part of the corruption that Allah is describing is not just political, but it's actually a social reality. Some people, they present, they are a certain way among a certain group. Like Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَىٰ شَيَاطِينِهِمْ when they're with you, they say we're with you. When they, they we believe too. When they're when they're hanging out with their own devils, they say no, we're just kidding. There's two different realities, right? Depending on the circle, you show your true colors. Now she feels safe enough to show her true colors when it comes to this situation, right? And so what does she do? She says, In fact, I did try to seduce him. That absolutely did happen. And I Lam actually means to take an oath, like I swear. It's like I swear, I'm telling you, actually, yep, that did in fact happen for real. Yes, it did. I did try to seduce. And he's poor man standing there, alayhi salam, with these ladies going crazy, and she goes, ladies, can you calm down a second? That's the one you were blaming me about. And by the way, yeah, I did try to seduce him, that's a fact. She's emboldened enough to just say that. And at this point, like I, where I left you guys off yesterday, Yusuf salam is just an object to them that they're talking about and he's, he's not a person to them at this point. He's just a, you know, a, a, something to use to make a point. Yep, I did want him. Sure I did. I wanted to seduce him. Fasta'asama. Amazing word. Uh, 
you know, this, this root letter or isma, which is generally in, in the figurative sense used for protection. Uh, so, you know, مَنْ ذَلَّذِي Who is going to be the one that, that protects you from Allah? Um, this is وَاَتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا Hold on to Allah's rope for protection. Right, so i'tisam is to hold on to something for dear life to protect yourself. Um, the idea behind isma, the original imagery behind isma actually has to do with blood stains or animals get urine stains or other kinds of stains and the fluid dries up on their skin and becomes hardened. Like if a blood stain became hardened or an oil stain became hardened and it won't come off. So it becomes a layer on top of a layer and it becomes stuck on top, kind of like a shield. Right, so it started getting used for something that can't be penetrated, can't be broken, and it shields. So from it got the, you know, came the idea of something that prevents attack from happening and shields. So that's the idea, the figurative idea of protection uh, from isma actually comes from that. Okay, so now he, she's saying فَاسْتَعْصَمَ So he, and the istif'al pattern here is for mubalagha. He held on for dear life, he stood his ground. He just held on and shielded himself. You know, i'tisam actually means to hold on and stay in place, right? So she says, I tried to seduce him, but he held his ground. He held his ground. This is actually pretty profound. This is her words, right? She, that he held his ground and he protected himself. This is her, from, from her, even her corrupt mind, she understands what he was doing, protecting himself. Even in the heart of hearts, when she spoke the truth, she didn't come up with some other story of, well, he, was, he wasn't interested or he was interested, but you, know, you, don't, you guys don't really know what he was about. She's, he doesn't have to make an alibi and explain anything. She's going to come right out and say, just like he's protecting himself from all of you right now, and he's not interested, and you're calling him not even a regular guy, he's an angel. Well, guess what? He held on and protected himself from me. That's what he did too. But the idea of holding your ground, like... The, I think the English expression can also be digging in your heels. Like you stand your ground, right? You don't budge from your position. You hold on tight. Ironically, if you look at the scene, in the scene he didn't physically hold his ground, he ran, right? He fled the scene. And her description is, he held on tight. He held on tight. She doesn't mean literally he held on tight, she means figuratively he held on tight to his faith. He held on tight to his morals, his principles. He held on tight to his self-control. But physically speaking, did he hold on tight or did he run? He ran. And this, this is a kind of a, a contradiction in words, right? So instead of her even saying, and Allah recording, he ran off. He's basically describing he held on tight. Now, why is that important? Because perhaps a lesson in this for all of us is that when you find yourself in a situation that can compromise your integrity then don't be self-righteous and think to yourself, I should stay here and hold on tight. I have Iman strong enough that I can handle it. No, sometimes running for your life away from that situation is holding on tight. So you would think that you're doing the brave thing by staying in the fitna situation. No, you're doing the brave thing by running. That's holding your ground. So what looks to the world like fleeing is being described as holding your ground. And that's actually one of the ways in which the Qur'an, through the words of people, they don't even realize it, like this foreshadowing, right? Through the words of people that recorded in the Qur'an, Allah teaches us some pretty interesting realities. And one of them is, the spiritual way of looking at something can be the opposite of what the physical eyes see. 
the physical eyes see someone running, and from a spiritual point of view, his running is actually him holding his ground. And that happens when it comes to matters of deen, not just in this situation, in, in many walks of life. Here you are walking away from something, and people are saying, what are you, scared? What, you can't handle it? What, are you just going to walk away? And people are like putting you in a position where there are other reasons why it looks like you're being cowardly or you're not standing your ground. And you know that you're, you're taking the stance that you're taking or you're leaving the scene or you're, you're walking away from it because you are holding on to your deen. They can't understand that because they don't see the world in that light. They only see it in a social sense. They'll say, get real, be realistic, be practical. Because in their mind, being practical means please people or please yourself. In their mind, being practical has nothing to do with pleasing Allah. Everybody else is part of their equation. Allah is not part of the equation. Allah is not part of the equation. The other remarkable thing here, before I go to even the more drastic things that she says, is that, you know, Yusuf salam was alone. And the first fear he had was Allah's judgment. First, Allah's protection from this. That Allah has been good to me, how can I be disloyal to Him? He's concerned about the judgment of Allah Azza wa Jalla, and then Burhana Rabbi. So the reference to Allah is like three times over. Ma'adallah, innahu Rabbi ahsana mathwaya, lawla arra'a burhana Rabbihi. Three times over, there's a reference to Allah, Allah, Allah in that situation, in that private situation. So his primary concern is how will Allah see me in this state? What does Allah want from me in this state? That's the Yusuf point of view. The, the, the minister's wife, when nobody else was there, all she could worry about was her desire. That's all that she saw. She, those words didn't matter. The plea didn't matter. Yusuf's dignity, no, nothing else mattered. She, she was her own God at that point. All she worshipped was, was her own desire. She's only going to submit to that. When the minister's wife caught, when the husband caught her at the door, now, there's still not fear of Allah. Now it's fear of who? Fear of people. Fear of the husband's judgment. Fear of reputation. If there is fear, it's fear of everything else except who? Except Allah. Now out of fear, to, to get over that anxiety and that fear of people, she sets up this entire scene. Now she's incriminated those people. Now those women that could have destroyed her marriage or destroyed his political career, all of them have been silenced. So now the fear of people is gone again. Yeah? So when, what I'm trying to say is when she was inside that room, there was no fear of people. If anything, there should have been fear of Allah, but that wasn't there. When she got caught outside, there was now fear of people. But now that she's put those people in a corner, again, there is no fear of people. That, the fear of people is gone. Well, if the fear of people is gone, you should still have fear of who? You should still have fear of Allah. But notice, now that there's the fear of people is gone, she says about him, he protected himself even though nobody was watching. I tried to seduce him and he, tried, he held his ground in this state and even before. He's the, he's the same, he just tries to protect himself. In other words, he doesn't care about what people think. He doesn't even care about what his owners think, what his employers think, what the authorities, he doesn't care. He just only cares about if, whether he's protecting himself by, by not violating Allah's command. That's it. That's all he cares about. That's all he's concerned with. But I'm not like that. Now I don't have fear of people anymore. She's, she, does, she, does, she no longer has fear of people. She can speak her mind. So what is she going to say? Look at her. And if he doesn't do whatever I tell him to, if he doesn't do whatever I tell him to, 
He will abs. I swear to it, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, he will be thrown in jail for sure. And absolutely, he's going to be from. He's going to join the ranks of those that are humiliated. He's going to be among the humiliated, the one, those that are made insignificant. He that these two things are going to happen if he doesn't do whatever I tell him to do. Who's the ultimate authority now again? She is. There is no one above her. And if you don't obey her, then there's adabun alim. Then there's punishment. You know, the, the idea that there's someone worthy of obedience, and if you don't do what I say, there shall be punishment. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? That sounds like someone taking a position where they want to have someone submit to them, isn't it? And the only one worthy for us to submit to is Allah Azza wa Jal. You see, Have you seen someone who takes their desires and turns them into their God? Her need is to actually, in a sense, in the sense of obedience, at this point it seems, her need is to be worshipped. Her fear of people is gone. And there's the gathering of women right there. And she has no shame commanding what she commands. Would, you would think she would have some shame asking for what she's asking for. She doesn't care. They're all listening. Yusuf salam is right there. And by the way, she's not addressing him. She doesn't tell, turn to him and say, if you don't do what I say, I will throw you in jail. And I will make you humiliated. No, she's objectifying him and talking to them and saying, and if he doesn't do whatever I want him to, whatever I tell him to, he's going to get thrown in jail. And he'll be from those humiliated. The, the first thing to note, before we dive into the language of this ayah, the remarkable thing is the defiance, man. The defiance. What is a couple of ayat ago, the husband said to her, even though it was superficial, seek forgiveness for your sin. And this, this looks like she's sorry for what happened before? No. This looks like she just wanted to prove her point to some women? No. She's still burnt about the rejection that Yusuf salam delivered to her. She's still in her head. You're going to walk, you're, you think you get to reject me? You think because you turn me away, people are going to talk about me and I'm going to let that go? I'm going to make you pay. And I'll make you pay in the worst ways. And now I'm going to get a little bit grammatical with you and show you how bad her sense of vengeance and her sense to see him humiliated and sense to, if she wanted one thing from him now, she wants a lot more from him now. Before it was one thing, but now it's going to be way more. Now, so here's the grammatical part. Fa'ala, in, so if you say in fa'ala in Arabic, which means if he did, if he did. And then you say in yaf'al, if he does. Rhetorically, they're actually equivalent in Arabic. The only difference is when you use the past tense, then that refers to huduth, a singular event. So for example, in akala, as opposed to in ya'kul. Okay? In akala means if he ate, or if he eats, but it's referring to one meal. If he ate that one time. In ya'kul actually means if he eats, meaning lunch, breakfast, dinner, today, tomorrow, day after, continuous action. So al-mudari' yadullu ala al-istimrar, the present tense alludes to continuity. While the past tense alludes to something like a singular event. I'll give you an example of that in the Qur'an, even without the in, without the conditional. Um, you find Yusuf salam. actually this is a good example, um, Yusuf salam saw the dream, right? And he saw the dream that 11 stars, the sun and the moon. You remember from the beginning? He said, Ra'aytu, he used the past tense, I saw. 
I saw. Ibrahim السلام, sees the dream that he's slaughtering his son. You remember? That dream, Allah says, when he describes these dreams to his son, إِنِّي أَرَى فِي الْمَنَامِ أَنِّي أَرَى فِي الْمَنَامِ أَرَى I see. He doesn't say, I saw. He says, I see. So Yusuf السلام, sees a dream, but he says, I saw. And Ibrahim السلام, sees a dream, but he says, I see. Now why is that? Well, because he sees it continuously. He didn't see it one time, he kept seeing it. So the continuity of it is captured inside the present tense. A really interesting case of this, I believe it's, um, I'm, I'm, don't quote me on this, either in or Maida is one of them too. I think it's uh, Maida, but I could be completely wrong. I'll double check. Um, so Allah talks about killing, yeah, and the laws behind killing. And there are two kinds of deaths, wrongful deaths. There is, you know, accidental, you accidentally killed somebody, Right, so you invited somebody over to your apartment and you live on the 30th floor and you're having a barbecue in the balcony and you're like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And you pat them on the back and ooh, you know, that, that, that was accidental. Yeah, you didn't mean to kill them, but that happened. So, وَمَنْ قَتَلَ مُؤْمِنًا خَطَأً Whoever killed a believer by mistake. The qatala is past tense, yeah? But then, if two weeks later, another one of your friends, ooh, off the balcony, then the cops are going to be like, you got to pat, pat your friends on the balcony problem. I don't think that... Then they'll start questioning whether the first one was also a what? A mistake. So they'll start an investigation or reinvestigate the previous scene, right? So Allah says, وَمَنْ مُتَعَمِّدًا Same ayat. He says, whoever kills a believer on purpose. So when it was by mistake, he said killed. And when it's on purpose, he says kills. Now again, I'm illustrating the past and present difference. Killed would mean if something did something so heinous did happen, it can only happen once. By mistake, you can only kill somebody how many times? <laughs> once. But if you kill somebody on purpose, then there's a possibility you've done it before, and there's definitely a possibility you'll do it again. And that's captured in the present tense. So what I'm getting at, coming back to this, is the past tense can allude to something that happens a single time, and the present tense alludes to something that happens continuously. The lam yaf'al, illam yaf'al as opposed to illa yaf'al. There's two. Actually, later, the, the ayah we're going to do tomorrow, inshallah, says, illa tasrif anni kaydahunna. Not illam tasrif, illa tasrif. So, illam yaf'al in this ayah is actually past tense. So, the language is pretty crafty in that sense. Why? Because she's saying, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do the, the one thing, even if I ask him any one thing to do, now, the other subtlety. So that she's talking about one act, whatever act it may be. We're not going to spell that out. You can imagine it's that original act, but she's going beyond that as you will see. You see, that now for Arabic students, there's a concept in Arabic called al-a'id. So what we say is ma'amuruhu bihi. Ma'amuruhu bihi. And I'll go a little, get a little bit technical, but inshallah it'll make sense at the end. So when you say amara in Arabic to command, then there are two objects of the verb. Who do you command and what do you command them to do? Okay, so two objects of the verb, two details are added to that action. So if I say, I commanded you, or I instructed you, then you have to say, I instructed you to read. So now there are two objects. One object is you, and the other object is the reading, which comes after a ta, or, or two in English. In Arabic, it comes after a ba. So, amartuka, if I say to my son, uh, you know, amartuka bis salati. I, told, I, I instructed you to pray. The, whatever I instructed you to comes after a ba. Okay? 
Now, some scholars here said the amuruhu, the hu and amuruhu, the damir, is actually there because you don't sometimes need the ba. You can do it, do it without the ba. So the translation then would be, if he doesn't do, even if it's referring to one act, if he, if he wouldn't do whatever I command him, whatever I command, no him, the word him isn't there, whatever I command. If he doesn't do whatever I command, that's their interpretation. Now, I would argue, and I discussed this with Shaykh Sahib from a Nahwi point of view, that, that there should be a bihi here expected. وَإِلَّمْ يَفْعَلْ مَا آمُرُهُ بِهِ مَا آمُرُهُ بِهِ So the bihi would be whatever I command him to do. The to do part would be bihi. That's called a aid because the word ma in ma amuru and the he in bihi are referring to the same thing. Okay? So ma, in Arabic you say ma qultuhu, what I said. But there's a ha in addition. So sometimes when Arabs learn English, they say, What I said it. Right? Why do they add the it? Because in Arabic the aid is normal. So they bring the aid in English and they say, What I said it. You know? What I think it. You know? So that's because that's a norm in, in Arabic. Now, when that additional pronoun is mentioned, and sometimes it is not mentioned, it does make a subtle difference. And this is something I learned from Maani and Nahu in Dr. Fadl Salih Hassan Rai's book. I think it's a remarkable observation about the Aid. If it is mentioned, if Bihi here is mentioned, then it restricts the meaning to whatever one thing that she's commanding him to do. But if you want to open the scope of the act to whatever commands, it's not going to be one command, it's going to be a plethora of commands, and it can be related to her, related to one of these women, related to anything else. She wants to now, oh, you thought that this was bad that I asked you to do this one thing? Wait till I tell you to do what I tell you to do now. She's going to open it up and make it so much worse for him. And how much worse, even beyond words, is because the bihi isn't even there. The bihi isn't even there. So it's as if the scope of it has been opened up, as if she's saying, and if he doesn't do whatever I tell him to do, and then the amuru is in the present tense, and I just gave you a little bit of a spiel about past tense is a singular event, and present tense is a continuous thing. If she was only referring to the time where she said, Hayta lak in the bedroom, then she would say, whatever I told him, whatever I told him, because the, the, the instruction still stands. She's saying, if he doesn't do whatever I command him, not commanded, whatever I command him to do. And what that means is, that she's going to come up with new commands, new instructions, and she's going to make his life a living hell continuously. She plans on using him and humiliating him over and over and over again, because she's got this vendetta, how dare he put me down, I'll show him what happens when you put me down. Oh, you wanted to preserve your dignity, huh? You wanted to hold on and do isti'sam, fasta'sama. He held on so tight and protected himself. Okay, I'll, we'll see about your protection. Now we're learning something else. Allah says in the Quran, isbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu. Have sabr and compete in sabr. Compete, compete against who? If you are persevering to do the right, the evil side will persevere to do the wrong. If they see you take one more step towards the right, they'll take three more steps towards the wrong and show you how much more committed to wrong they are. She didn't stop at one wrong. She's like, oh, oh, you, you want to bring it? Let's bring it. She's rolled up her sleeves and she's like, I don't have fear of people anymore so I can show my true colors. You just messed with the wrong, you know, wrong woman. 
I'm, I know I'm, I'll give you a video game reference. Some of you can like astaghfirullahaladzim. Those of you who don't like video game references, you can you know completely just put it on mute and do dhikr while I explain this to you. When you have bosses in a video game, sometimes it looks like a regular boss, but as soon as you destroy him, kill him, he transforms into this monster. And you're like, where did that come from? He's like five times the size, his health bar is way bigger, and you're like, uh... And that's exactly what this is. I know, that sounds crazy. But it's not that crazy. There are some people, you would think that they do something wrong, and they got caught in the act, and they would stop. No. That's just, uh, that, you just got me started. I'm just getting started. Now they're going to show the, the real colors. And this entire scheme, part of it was to put them down, but a huge part of it, it seems, because the words she used for them are so little, that's what you blame me for. I'm done with y'all. But now my attention turned to my real target. Because as much as I blame you, who does she blame more? Him. I did, it. I did try to seduce him. He did hold himself back. He did secure himself. He tried his best to keep disobeying me. It's part of the implication of istasama. Whoa. He defied me. If he doesn't do whatever, what, and yaf'al also, I didn't even pay attention to yaf'al. Amila in Arabic is to do. Fa'ala is to do. But amila is to do something with thought. Amila is to do something ta'amudan. But fi'il is something you don't even think about it, you do it. Like I'm breathing right now is a fi'il. Is a fi'il. She used the word yaf'al as if you better not even think about it and do what I tell you to do. I need absolute submission and you don't question and you don't analyze and you don't stop and you don't hesitate. You better just do whatever I want. And if he doesn't do whatever I want him to, now we get to this next part. La yusjananna. Lam is for I swear. On my life. He is absolutely going to jail, jail, jail. Yusjananna. There's a noon thaqila at the end. That noon shadda at the end. See, you say, yusjan, la yusjanu. That's the normal. La yusjanu. Actually, yusjanu on itself is normal. He will be thrown in jail. He will be jailed. Then you say, la yusjanu. I swear to it, he'll be jailed. Then you say, la yusjanan. I swear to it, he'll be jailed. I know the mics are getting a mess up. And then there'll be la yusjananna, I swear to it, he will be jailed. There's two noons. And she's gone nuts. She's made up her mind, those are the only two options for him now. And she's sworn by it. She is swearing by, he's gonna do this, or he will be thrown in jail. And then she says, He'll be thrown in jail. And he will, I swear to it again, the lamb for qasam, the jawab al-qasam, he will absolutely be from those humiliated. He will join the ranks of the humiliated. Now here, interestingly, the layakunan is not layakunanna, just like layusjananna. So the first one was two noons, making it double the emphasis, noon thaqila. It's called noon thaqila, noon khafifa. So here, the expected verb, if you keep the continuity, would be layusjananna. Yeah? But there's a degree of emphasis lowered. So the first one was high intensity. The second one is intensity, but not as high. And if you want to count the degrees of intensity, the first one had three degrees of intensity. And the second word, he will be from the humiliated, has two degrees of intensity. Where did I count the three? The lam and the two noons. On layusjananna. And here, the lam and only one noon. Layakunan. Yeah, so only two degrees of intensity. So, her intensity has dropped a little when she gets to the point where she says, 
and he will be from the humiliated. Now this is the kind of thing that if you're reading an English translation, you wouldn't know that her tone has dropped a little. That her, the, the level of rage has dropped a little when she's saying this part. Now the question becomes, why did she drop that tone? One answer that's been proposed is that naturally she is more emphatic about him going to jail and it's obvious that when he goes to jail, a result of being thrown in jail is that you will be humiliated so she doesn't have to bang on that point as hard as the first point because that's a, consequence, a more natural consequence of it. But there may be something else here and I'm more inclined towards this, not, not in rejection of the first view but in addition to the first view. And that is that there are two things she sees that he will suffer from. One, being thrown in jail. Two, being labeled someone humiliated. Yeah, two things. She's absolutely convinced that she has the power to throw him in jail, but she's not as confident about him being humiliated. She's hopeful about that one. She's sure, but not as sure. Kind of the intensity dropped a little bit because he's been in some pretty humiliating situations and he still stands dignified. So she's hoping that the throwing in jail is going to lead him to be humiliated. But even she's kind of like, I hope that works out though. Because she's not as confident about him being humiliated and the lack of confidence is in the drop of the intensity. Now let's talk about the word saghirin. It comes from saghira. Saghura yasghuru, that the ism, there's no ism fa'il, it's an ism sifa, saghiran. And saghira yasghuru, you get saghir. Saghir means someone small in value. Saghir actually means small. Saghir is someone small in value, someone small in worth. Someone small as in, you made me feel so small, even in English. You made me feel this, this little. You know, wh- what does that mean? You made me feel pathetic. You made me feel humiliated. You fe- made me feel inferior, right? And so she says, he will be from those made small. The first literary observation I'd like you to make is, when the women saw him, what did Allah say? Akbarnahu. They declared him kabir, great. And by the end of this passage, she wants to make sure that he is made Small. So there's a contrast that's, that's in, in, interesting. But then, how is the word saghir used in, or saghir used in the Qur'an? Probably the most compelling case that I want to tell you about is when Allah was throwing out the devil from, from his company after the incident of him not doing sajda. Allah said, فَخْرُجْ إِنَّكَ مِنَ الصَّاغِرِينَ Get out. You are from الصَّاغِرِينَ You are from the humiliated. You are from the ones made small and pathetic. The ones that are made powerless. She says to him, he will absolutely speak from those that are small in value. Why is she saying that though? She's saying that because she felt small by his rejection. And this is her revenge. As a matter of fact, jail, which she definitely knows she can pull off, is not her goal. Her goal is wanting to make him feel humiliated. Because she felt humiliated. She felt that she was too small before his character, before him giving in to her. She wasn't powerful enough, beautiful enough, seductive enough, attractive enough for him to give up what he has. He didn't give it up. That made her feel what? Small. If I can't break you, then maybe jail jail will. Let's see if that humbles you and that makes you small and insignificant. This is her vengefulness. It's not that she wants justice. She wants him to feel some kind of suffering and she knows the most valuable thing to him is his dignity. His dignity comes from his loyalty to Allah. 
That's where his dignity comes from. And she's saying, if I couldn't take that from you, maybe throwing you in jail will give you some kind of humiliation. But then again, she's wrong. Because you can throw him in jail. And by, in the eyes of the world, that's humiliating. In the eyes of the world, someone being thrown in jail, being handcuffed, being dragged into a cellar, being dragged into a dungeon, being thrown with a bunch of criminals, people saying you got convicted, etc. This is you being humiliated in the eyes of people. But Yusuf was never concerned about the eyes of people. That was you, lady. That wasn't him. You can't ever make him saghir. People's words cannot make him valueless. People's labels cannot make him valueless. Being in jail, and even if he was wrongly convicted, which he never was, but even if he was wrongly convicted of having committed whatever, he would still not be humiliated in the sight of Allah. Now we're learning, just like before I told you, they have their twisted definition of love, Allah has the right definition of love. The Qur'an gives you a way of looking at something that the world sees one way, you see it another way. You see it as running away, Qur'an sees it as holding on, and holding on, you know, digging in your heels. The same way they see that as humiliation, and Allah knows that that is actually still Him holding on to His dignity. Which is, which is what's going to help us understand His next words. You know, people almost brush over His words, which are going to come tomorrow, prison is more beloved to me and they kind of almost criticize what he just said before we jump to criticizing the profound words of Yusuf where he put more of a love for prison before he said that you have to understand the context in which all of this is being said you know and maybe we're doing an injustice to the remarkable wisdom and the profound loyalty of Yusuf to Allah to be put in that situation and jumping the gun and saying he said something he shouldn't have said. I actually, even though I do respect that opinion, I highly disagree with that conclusion that Yusuf said something he shouldn't have said, actually. I, uh, it's a remarkable thing that he said. Given the context, it's a profound thing that he said. And inshallah ta'ala will analyze what he said tomorrow. But as I leave you today, I want you to know that this is Allah Azzawajal's way of teaching us that there are people that may come in your life and mine, and I pray we don't become of them, whose obsession becomes to tear someone, to rip someone apart. Even though it will bring them no benefit. They just have this in them that they need to see someone shredded to pieces. If that person was destroyed or not destroyed, it will not increase or decrease their risk in any way. But they, will, they, they feel the need. Something in them will be satisfied that I felt bad and I made sure that I made them feel degraded or humiliated and I want to do much worse to them than they ever did to me. That will make me feel satisfied. This is actually the... This is how... Like when, when Allah... The presence of Allah becomes completely absent in someone's mind and they almost act godlike. They're going to de- deliver divine punishments, if you will, to change somebody, to di- dictate somebody's fate and to, dis- to, to put the value on someone. I will make sure they're humiliated. This is actually a twisted way of thinking. It's a, it's a scary way of thinking, but it, it's a real thing. Allah mentioned this in the Quran for a real reason. So here, there you, first you had love, Poisoned and it led to murder. And now it's love, poisoned, and it's leading to, to slander and humiliation. Attempt to slander and humiliate. So these you know, toxic emotions, what they can lead a person to do. What, what they can justify to themselves and then be proud of it.
And then to gather their friends and say, this is what I'm going to do. And, and to, to be so defiant about it, this is a, a pretty scary position to be in. You know? And so may Allah Azza protect us from that kind of vengeful nature. May Allah Azza protect all of our dignities. And may Allah Azza give us a correct understanding of the Qur'an and take its light and bring it into our lives. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.